Hello, my name is Kevin Jeffries. And I'm Albert Pazawa. And this is the 635 Podcast. The 635 Podcast is about local politics, economics, and social and cultural issues in the Alvin Community College area. The views expressed on the show are those of the participants and do not reflect the views of Alvin Community College. Hello, I'm Albert Pasawa, and across from me is Kevin Jeffries. <laughs> and this is 635 Podcast, uh, and we are here to talk about news and events and interesting things going on in the Alvin Community College area. And um, let's take it away. Kevin, what uh, what have you seen going on this, this week? Well, over the course of the week, a variety of things are happening. These things stuck out to me that we might want to discuss at some point. A story from the Chronicle about the federal government clawing back rent relief funds from programs slowed to give out the money, with Texas leading the pack, meaning rent relief funds that were made available during the pandemic to make sure that people didn't get kicked out in the street. There are some counties, five counties in Texas specifically, uh, that haven't spent all that much, and so they're at risk right now of losing that and having those sent uh, back to the federal government or sent to other Cities. There was also some stuff I saw, and I need to learn a little bit more about this right here, annexation efforts within Alvin, Alvin City Council dealing with an organization called the Cardin Group, a developing uh, developers uh, who are interested in expanding into the Alvin area, much like the Shadow Creek Development Company uh, did so in Pearland, okay. which we'd like to catch up. And we talked a little bit about the tax incremental reinvestment zones uh, last time, there was an obituary in the Alvin Sun uh, News uh, about Troy Lewis, who used to be an instructor and a dean here at Alvin Community College, was also ran for mayor, served uh, as such in Alvin for a period of time. And it'd be interesting to kind of look at his uh, his story so we have an idea about what okay. you know, local folks have been up about. Uh, a couple of stories related to the... the uh, Pet disaster relief trailer donated to the Brazoria County uh, um, OEM, and I'm sorry, I don't have the. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Pet, this is uh, this is a van to to help to rescue animals during periods of disasters. Yeah, exactly. You so know, there's a, a van specifically for animals that, that can go around. Yes, there does. Okay, yeah, which has been that's, donated to the the county. All right. Disaster things, you know. Okay. Uh, disaster relief is mostly a local effort, as far as implementation. You okay. know, if it's serious enough, obviously. State and federal uh, forces can be used to assist that, but this is an example of what happens at the local level, the county level. Also, a, a local thing, Lake Jackson boil water notice rescinded. You know, so if you're in Lake Jackson, it's safe to drink the water. Okay. I was actually, I did a little road trip on the way up to uh, the Lufkin area not too long ago, and one of the cities we stopped in, we uh, went to um, a restaurant. We couldn't have water because there was uh, something. Maybe there's something okay. happening right now. Now, uh, related to this, and this might be an interesting thing to kind of go through at some point. This, uh, if you go to the city of Alvin's website, you see a report on their water quality. And that this is one of the basic things, of course, the oh, cities are responsible for. That's nice to know. Exactly. exactly. Every time I get lazy and just want to take my head under the sink and drink, I always wonder, how clean is the is water? Is this clean or not? So, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> All right. Well, and this is also very important to consider that, um, you know, with recently uh, passed uh, legislation on the national level, um, 
Build Back Better plan, you know, there was a bunch of money that was made available to local governments to replace lead pipes. Mm. And oh, so this wow. would fall under that as well. I didn't too. know there were still lead pipes around. Okay, good. There are. Uh, Alvin Independent School District adopts district goals for the 2022-23 school year. That might be something to walk through at some point. Right. The Independent School District, the special... Um, single-purpose local governing district that is the independent school district, much like the community college district, what we are. And I'm interested in getting involved in this. There's a story about the Texas Education Agency reviewing social studies learning standards and seeking public input. Now, they do this on a regular basis. Every area, uh, K through 12, is reviewed from time to time. Often these are controversial. Social studies is always controversial. And it seeks public input. And there's actually a link where you can apply. I'm going to apply for this thing. I'm going to see if I can kind of get involved in this. Yeah, that sounds interesting. The, you know, and I always, I tell my students that one of the ways you can really understand like how the trial process goes or election, volunteer to run and uh, uh, help the county run elections. Uh, if someone, if you get a jury uh, summons, don't ignore it. Go. You learn how things uh, actually operate. What else? Oh, uh, one of the stories that might be interesting for us to look at, the Perilyn City Council to consider rules for short-term rentals. This is a good way to understand what sorts of things local governments primarily deal with. And of course, this deals with companies like Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Galveston's been dealing with this sort of issue because they're That's very, their concerns about what it does to the nature of the community. You know, whether you're pricing out, um, People who've lived in Galveston mm-hmm. for a long period of time, what's that going to do to Perlin as well, too? Sounds like the answer is going to be tax them. and, and then we, You know, that's it. possible. <laughs> now, one thing, though, too, to keep in mind, since the, you know, this, the, what cities can regulate is itself um, impacted by s- state law. States can say what, uh, what cities can and can't pass laws about. Uh, there were restrictions placed on the ability of cities to regulate Uber and Lyft, things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be too surprised if your short-term rental people go to the state legislature the next time they meet mm-hmm. and try to put limits on this. Okay. Brazoria County is changing. There's a couple of stories we, uh, I was looking at, uh, we've been monitoring. Uh, Brazoria County's population has increased by 18%. This is a story from ABC 13, seeing largest increase in multiracial residents. So Brazoria County is becoming more diverse. Uh, and what time period has it increased? In between 2010 and 2020. All right. So this is this is from census like, figures. So wait, 13 percent, 18 percent, 18 percent, wow. 18 percent. All of this area. Well, you know, Paraland itself is Paraland. just gone That's nuts. A big one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's becoming more diverse. It'll be interesting to see what that does for the dynamics of uh, self-government around here. Um, other stories we've been looking at: Harris County. Uh, is going to ban the criminal history question on its department job application. So if you're going to apply for a job at Harris County, you don't have to see the box that says, have you been convicted of a felony uh, or not? They can ask that during the second round of interviews, but this hmm. allows you to go through the first process okay. uh, and get the interview and potentially get the job. Otherwise, people with felony convictions who check the box sometimes don't yeah. go much further than that. Yeah. So this can limit their ability to be able to reintegrate into society. Okay. couple stories, and I think this is kind of major. Uh, we might be getting into this in just a second, about the uh, Brazoria County District Clerk's Office being investigated because of irregularities in the jury process. You're guaranteed a jury that, well, jury of your peers, but the way you're supposed to get that is through a la- random selection process, which apparently Brazoria County at least did not uh, follow in this one particular story we will look at. 
And I think what we'd like to start by talking about is an interesting story that affects counties in general, but especially Harris County, has to do with the disaster relief funds, primarily dealing with Harvey way back when, four or five years ago, uh, that went through the general land office. And some of the stuff the general land office really didn't want to pass on, but down to Harris County itself. Okay, so, so let's just dive into that story Let's get here into that. And see what that article looks like. Um, what do you remember about Harvey? I remember that uh, I had just moved here from California. And you had second thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I was too late. I'm like, I'm all in here. But, but my students were telling me not to worry, but uh, I think they were wrong. Oh, yeah. Not, don't worry, it happens all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not really what I want to hear. Okay, here we go. So walk me through the story and what it means. Well, let, let's let's read a little bit through the story. All five members of Harris County Commissioner's Court, remember that's how counties are structured. Counties are creatures of the state. All local governments really are. Um, you have a county judge and you have four commissioners. Every county is designed the same way in the state of Texas. Whether you are, oh, one of my favorite places, um, Loving County. I've driven through there, but at some point I want to go in and do a little bit more research it has, I think the most recent census numbers are 120 people. It had like 50. It's a county, and so that means it's structured just like Harris County that has about 5 million people in it, right. uh, meaning it's divided up into four precincts, Commissioner's <laughs> Court is, and you've got the uh, county judge in charge of that. It, it is, these people are elected to office in partisan elections, which makes them unique among uh, local governments. They all signed on, the Republicans and the Democrats, onto a letter asking local congressional delegation, the people that represent Harris County on the national level, to ensure that future disaster relief bypasses the state government and goes directly to large counties. Most of the money that you see that's spent on the local government that comes from the federal government goes through the states. And that can make it a little bit of a problem, for example, most recently with some of the, um, the COVID relief money that was supposed to go to the schools, mm -hmm. went through the state legislature and, and they want a piece, you know, and sometimes they'll take some of it and they'll use it to justify a tax cut or they'll, you know, uh, spend it on highways or something else uh, instead. I think Mississippi got um, into trouble with some folks because instead of spending it on schools, they spent it on prisons. Anyway, a little mm -hmm. bit more about this. Um, the letter suggests, or I'm sorry. It was triggered by the General Land Office's decision in May to initially shut out the city and the county, the epicenter of flooding caused by Hurricane Harvey, from $1 billion in flood control do dollars later awarded to Texas after the 2017 storm. What they were going to do with that, I don't know. The letter suggests that Congress or a federal agency require future disaster, disaster relief excuse me, to go directly to counties with at least 500,000 residents, instead of being administered by state agencies. So bypass the state, go directly to the local governments. And so, so it's this, just like a retaliatory move? All right, all right, so let me see if I understand. Um, so what first happened is the Texas General Land Office earlier decided to basically um, make the city, sort of lock them out of the decision-making process. And then in response to that, um, these large counties are asking for funds to bypass the Go state. directly to the county. The federal dollars going directly to the county. Sure. Okay. All right. So this is, so the local counties that are saying, look at what happened in the past. The state is sort of locking us out of control over these funds so that in the future, they're going to the feds and the federal government and saying, why don't you just give the money directly to us in the future? 
uh, so we don't have to deal with the state. The state is a little bit nervous about this. Now, the way I take this is the latest arena where you see conflict between the local governments in the state of Texas and also the state government. Now, to back up a little bit, and I kind of alluded to this a second ago, the way that federalism works between the state and the local governments is the state's um, the state's control. The, the local governments exist at the pleasure of the states. Mm-hmm. They created the counties. They created the independent school districts and the, uh, uh, community college districts, all the rest of it, authorizing us, uh, ACC, to collect tax dollars. They don't create cities, but they allow cities to be able to pass their own laws and to, within parameters mm-hmm. and also to collect uh, revenue as well, too, to administer the law. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these laws, too, are state laws, you know, say criminal uh, criminal justice and things of that nature. Now, cities, though, have a different kind of um, political uh, culture often than the state government does. Oh, definitely. It tends to be more liberal. Definitely you know, in Texas, more Democrat, right? It seems and, to be very split local versus... And, yeah, on the state level, it's more conservative, more Republican. And so there's a lot of conflict as a result between uh, the two. And this is just, you know, the latest arena. I mean, it has to do with, like, homelessness uh, sometimes the um, homeless policy. Um, the legislature loves to uh, get down on Austin. You know, recently they overturned some decisions, and the courts will do this as well too. Uh, decisions to require um, uh, employers that I think had more like fifteen or twenty employees. I can't remember the exact uh, uh, number to provide sick days, mm-hmm. and employers don't particularly care for that. And so the the legislature is in a position to be able to say no. A few years ago, they did this with the city of Denton that um, outlawed uh, 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 frank, fracking, hydraulic fracking mm-hmm. within city limits. And they could do that because there was nothing saying no. Well, then the oil industry went to the state legislature and they got them to say no. They put it in the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the Texas statutes that cities can't, local government code, I believe it is, that cities can't, in fact, actually do this sort of thing. Now, when you have federal dollars that go directly to the cities, that can also empower the cities. So the legislature is a little bit nervous about doing this sort of thing. So in my understanding, this is this is part of this. If you have federal dollars going directly to the cities and the states don't have any ability to be able to put some control on it, uh, that can make them a little bit nervous. Can I read a little bit more? Sure. Um, the commissioner's court did not mention the GLO, General Land Office, and more on that in a second. We should understand that uh, organization. Though the letter was sent to Harris County's nine-member congressional delegation one week after federal officials halted the distribution of nearly $2 billion in flood control funds to Texas because, they said, the GLO had failed to send in required paperwork detailing its plans to uh, send the money. So the General Land Office did not allow the money that was given to the state of Texas to go to Harris County. And so as a consequence of that, the the federal officials responsible for sending this forward, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't say here who those officials in fact actually are, that would be interesting information to get, said, okay, well, we are going to not give you another $2 billion that was was originally uh, going your way. So I suppose that means there's a total of $3 billion that Harris County is not getting to deal with flood control Mm -hmm. projects. Uh, To continue a little bit, Garcia, she is one of the, Sylvia Garcia, one of the commissioners, you've got two Republicans and two Democrats, and the county judge, Lena Hidalgo, is a Democrat. Lena, uh, Garcia, a Democrat who's up for re-election this year, said the letter was in part a response to when Harris County got GLO'd last summer with the $0 flood control award. Garcia said she was also concerned about a letter Governor Greg Abbott sent to state agency heads last month 
in which he told them to decline federal infrastructure funds if they hinder or needlessly constrain the state or commit the state to ongoing costs for which there is no uh, appropriation available. I think what he is referring to right here is the fact, I think we alluded to this the last time we met, that all state agencies are in the process of putting their legislative appropriations requests right now. We're doing it here. You know, the, the state, the governor's office is saying, okay, this is the sort of stuff that you can request, what you can't request. And he's saying that we don't want you to get some of these infrastructure funds, apparently alluding, alluding to anything that might stem from the Build Back Better uh, program. Yeah. Uh, which again hinders local governments, and so might be the reason that you see this this uh, this effort to push back. Okay. Texas statewide leaders such as Governor Greg Abbott and Land Commissioner George P. Bush have proven themselves to be unwilling partners on anything to do with Harris County. Garcia wrote, um, whose office penned most of the letters, said in the statement. So I'm wondering if uh, if Sylvia Garcia is the person who pushed this thing forward. Why should the feds even bother letting state agencies get their hands on our money as taxpayers? Time and time again, the state has shown no interest in helping the people of Harris County. So obviously that uh, tells us a little bit about that conflict. And this will certainly continue, and we should probably... Um... Oh, it says here it's the, it's the Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, that uh, on the national level is the source of these funds. So um, that sets up what promises to be a, a dogfight. And it's an interesting dynamic that you've got... Um... Local of a certain party, state of a certain party, federal of a certain party. And I kind of wonder, it'd be interesting study to go and see, you know, when the governor is a Republican or when the governor and the president are the same party, is there still this issue, right? Um, would local communities still want to go straight to the federal government or would... Um, would local communities be worried that um, the state and the federal would sort of collude more with each other? There's a whole area in political science that deals with that, that question right there, whether you have what's called unified or divided government. Unified being everyone's a member of the same party, divided meaning they're not. And obviously, if they're the members of the same party, they're much more likely to be in sync, whether it's all Democrat or whether it's all Republican. Mm -hmm. uh, the policies, of course, are going to differ, but the uh, the conflict won't necessarily exist uh, within the governing agencies themselves. And mm -hmm. so I think you're exactly right. I mean, the fact that you've got, you know, differences on the state, national and local level is going to lead to more of the conflict. And this just seems to me anyway to be one of those areas where you see uh, that conflict express itself. All right. So uh, what's the next story we got? Let's see. What we could do after this is we could look at Issues related to the Missouri County District Clerk's Office, it is in, under investigation uh, based on what they are calling irregularities. And there's a few different places we can get some stories related to this. Um, what we are looking at right here, I think, is something that comes from ABC 13, Eyewitness News, Missouri County District Clerk's Office under investigation over irregularities in the jury process. Let me read a couple of uh, these opening paragraphs right here. The Texas Rangers are being called in to investigate after the Brazoria County District Attorney's Office found out about, a, about potential irregularities, quote-unquote, in the district clerk's office specifically regarding the jury assembly process. I just kind of mentioned, you know, the jury, jury summons and jury duty and things like that. Um, the process is in code, uh, the Code of Criminal Procedures, I believe, in the state of Texas. On Wednesday, August 25th, 
So this is from a few months ago. The Brazoria County District Attorney's Office announced it had received information that leads them to believe that jury panels may have been assembled in a manner inconsistent with applicable statutes and law. Um, let's see, scrolling down here just a little bit more. The following day, the district clerk in question retired. In a statement sent to ABC 13 on Friday, Brazoria County District Attorney Tom Selleck, presumably a different Tom Selleck, mm -hmm. said the law requires jurors to be selected at random, and it is this process that is alleged to have been conducted improperly. In other words, there wasn't a random uh, jury in place. And the argument is that depending upon what process you put in place, if you don't have a random jury, it could be potentially the case that uh, a jury has been selected that is likely to be biased against a defendant. And if you're biased against the defendant, that's a, uh, a procedural irregularity uh, that could potentially lead to um, a new trial or just a vacation, uh, vacating the, the uh, a decision that was made in a trial. Is that is that the side? Because it could juries could be skewed to go either way. So do we do we know anything about? Um, are the is the skewing of the jury? Is it supposed? Is it done in a way that is going to? Do we know favoring either the defendant or in the this particular situation? The allegation is that it was done in such a way that is going to uh, be biased against the defendant. In fact, there's another story related to this. Let me open this thing up real quick. Um, right, so against the defendant. So let's go to yes. the other story, related story. Yes, and this is also from August of last year. Uh, families want feds to look into Brazoria County jury process. The truth is always going to come out. That's the title of it. And it involves some interesting folks. Uh, community activist Quanell X gathered with several families on Monday who believe their loved one's trials were conducted unfairly due to potential irregularities being investigated within the Brazoria County District Clerk's Office. As of Monday, the county officials have not given specific as to what's been going on uh, inside the office. So far, Brazoria County District Attorney Tom Selleck again has said they're looking into allegations that the jurors may not have been selected randomly, which is what the law requires. Now, let's let's talk a little background here. And by the way, there's a, there's a letter that Selleck signed that uh, I think is worth reading through at least a little bit, some of it, so to kind of get a little bit more detail on specifically what they're discussing here. But, um, and again, the way I approach this to my students, you know, uh, Criminal trials, the bulk of criminal trials are held at the, the local level, the county level. The way it works in the state of Texas, laws again pass. It's the same thing as we were discussing with other things. Um, laws passed by the state, but enforced at the local level. And in this case, we're talking about not just uh, uh, law enforcement, we're talking about the trial procedure itself. Those, the judges, the district judges are elected in partisan elections. In the same sense as we were talking before about the county commissioners, these are all county personnel. Um, and they have uh, jurisdiction over criminal, I think in, in Brazoria it's criminal and uh, civil issues uh, here. And so these are people that are elected by folks in the counties, and presumably that means they approach uh, or they, they behave in a way that's consistent with what the county would like to see them, in fact, actually do. That's yeah. where the trial takes place. And again, you have the judges, but you also have the district clerk's office that's responsible for making sure the judges have a jury pool available for you. And if you've ever had jury, go ahead. I'm sorry. Is there an elected position for the, the judges clerks? are elected? But and what about clerks the clerk? are elected too? Okay, that's all these folks are elected exactly. Well, and you know, which which is an interesting overall you know way way to look at more conflict between the state and the local levels because the state might pass a law with the assumption that it's going to be. Uh, implemented in some consistent manner across the state. 
But if the individuals that are elected to implement these things in the county and, you know, the independent school district, community college district, are elected by the local community, then the individuals that are going to enforce this are going to enforce it in different ways. So if you are elected, let's say, from, you know, the Midland area, chances are a district attorney is going to be elected that's a little bit hardcore when it comes to, you know, marijuana possession, for mm -hmm. example. Whereas places like Travis County, uh, places like Harris County, they've been, they've been you know, not taking possession of small amounts of marijuana, which I guess means an ounce or less, uh, less seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes not even prosecuting, or if they prosecute, you know, it's as a misdemeanor rather than a felony or, or, or whatnot. And again, that's, that's discretion that people have on the local level. You know, it's the principle of local self-government, but it also means that there's a lot of uh, discrepancies, you know, across the state as a consequence of this, you know. And, and presumably then, this story is suggesting that uh, if true, Brazoria County is much more willing to stack the deck in terms of jury, the jury selection process uh, than perhaps other counties uh, are willing to. So was there, in, in this article or, or the previous one, was there any, um, what, what, it seemed kind of vague, what was the actual allegation of, of the non-randomness uh, that was they don't get on. specifically into this. Now, let me read a little bit from uh, the letter of August 27th, 2021, of the then criminal district attorney. And by the way, that's another elected position. The district attorney would be the person in the uh, uh, county that oversees prosecution. Law enforcement collects, well, we all seen law and order. I mean, mm -hmm. criminal justice system is divided into two groups, you know, law <laughs> enforcement and then the, uh, then the prosecutors. So the prosecutor's office. And he's the person who would set the tone for the rest of the individuals within that particular division. Are you going to be, you know, hardcore, you know, or are you going to really, you know, go after nailing people as much as possible? You know, are you going to be a little bit more, are you going to be tough on crime, you know, mm -hmm. or are you going to be a little bit more in favor of, uh, criminal defendants. Um, anyway, let's let's read through this, and, and hopefully we get a little bit more through this. I've been going through it, and I don't see a lot in terms of specifics. Pursuant, uh, other than the fact that it's not random. Mm -hmm. uh, pursuant to rules 304 and 309 of the Texas Rules of Professional Responsibility. Is this on the first article? Yes, yes. Okay, let me go back to that. As well as the Schultz decision, which we do doesn't describe, though we could look that up. I want to follow up on my statement issued August 25th, 2021. As you are aware, this office has received allegations of improprieties or irregularities in the jury assembly process. The law requires jurors be selected at random, and it is this process that's alleged to have been conducted improperly. In other words, the law, this would be state law, and these would be things presumably you'd find in the Code of um, Criminal Conduct. Uh, in, uh, as opposed to there's a code having to do with penal law, the sorts of laws that exist, and then, I'm sorry, criminal process, the process by which individuals uh, are tried. Because this allegation involves an elected official, we have requested assistance from the Texas Rangers Public Integrity Unit. These are the individuals responsible for investigating these sorts of allegations uh, by local officials uh, to help investigate this matter. At this time, I cannot say how long the investigation will take place because we do not know the scope or the magnitude of the problems that may be uncovered. All evidence relevant to this investigation will be presented to the Brazos, excuse me, Brazoria County Grand Jury for their consideration regarding any crimes that may have been committed. Now, committed. 
Now, you know, the grand jury itself and the grand jury process is something that's sort of interesting as well in terms of this, because more recently, grand juries have been impaneled in a way that's random. Traditionally, they haven't been, you know, and it could very well be that there was some residue of a process, you know, let's say that grand juries, how grand juries are impaneled, uh, which used to be called, um, well, the, the nickname was Pick-A-Pal. It was, you know, judges would select a jury foreman and the foreman would invite people to be part of the grand jury as well. And so there are questions about whether or not there was bias in terms of the decisions they would make. Um, they weren't taking a, let's say, a balanced approach, applying the same sort of rules to all sorts of different uh, uh, individuals, more likely to say that a particular person should uh, stand trial for whatever reason uh, rather than another. Mm-hmm. During the pet the pendency of the criminal investigation, the district attorney's office will have no comment. So that might be one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of specifics necessarily. But uh, even though this is back from August, uh, we, um, you know, this is still uh, ongoing. A little bit more on the story involving Quanell X. And if you're familiar with them, you know, community activist, very much focused on uh, issues related to the African-American community. Meanwhile, community activist Quanell X is now working with families who say their loved ones were impacted by how these juries were assembled. We have identified four families whose loved ones, um, presumably African-American uh, defendants, who were tried by all-white juries. Uh, there are cases, I believe, that will have to be overturned because of uh, purposed racial bias on purpose against those defendants. And, of course, you know, restricting African-Americans from uh, service on juries is one of the techniques that was used to ensure that African-American defendants were more likely to be um, found guilty uh, in trials. You didn't have a, a jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, and, and, and by the way, this is this is civil rights issue. Uh, uh, Quan LX is arguing that this is the sort of thing that shouldn't be investigated by the state of Texas. It should be investigated by the federal government. Oh, uh, yeah. And because the federal government presumably would not be driven by the same kind of, oh, attitudes. Yeah. Political back scratching and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So there's another one. That's uh, pretty serious stuff. I, I really just kind of want to know. I'm just, just one of those curious things like, what are they doing? Um, you know, who's sort of channeling jurors like are they doing this on an individual basis or are they looking like at maybe demographics and saying okay this type of group tends to be you know tough on crime you know let's let's try to put more of those people in the pool or try to discourage other people who uh maybe tend to be a little more lenient um you know all that i would assume would come out if the investigation is thorough and so this should be something that we kind of keep um, keep an eye on and see what okay. sorts of things are able to uh, discover. All but, right. you know, what something we might want to look at more is, uh, let's say, the history of these sorts of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Brazoria County actually has that kind of history. You know, it's one of the areas where, um, you know, civil rights groups have focused on. Harris County, actually, mostly mm-hmm. uh, because of the population. It's interesting the number of major civil rights uh, court cases that, that came out of Harris County. Mm. And of course, if they came out of Harris County, that means that there was a lot going on in Harris <laughs> County that was, uh, that was deemed problematic. All right. Okay, so we're out of time right now, but uh, so there are two important stories, and the cool thing is we'll be able to follow up on those. Remember to yes, keep track will. and find out exactly what sort of non-random uh, events were going on. Yes. And then uh, we got a bunch of other stories we were interested in covering, so we'll get on those also. 
Uh, but for now, uh, we are 635 and we are out. See you next time. Thank you.